Welcome to Two Daydream Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Space Serpent 18, and today we are talking about sexy. And with me today is Invisible Raven or Bethany. Hello. Hello. All right, so let's talk about sex. Like Holly Holiday. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, let's, yeah, let's start talking about the, the Holly Holiday part of it. And um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know what it is with the creators of Glee, what they have against teachers. I, I just don't get it. It's why the teachers are all written so, so horribly. Like this episode, I'm not a Holly Holiday fan, but this is the episode where it's like, okay, much as I don't like Holly Holiday, she's the one making the most sense. Yes. And, and this one, I agree with like 85% of the stuff that she has to say. Yeah. But it's, you know, it is. It's a lot better than just about every, what everybody else is talking about. And you just want to, like, oh, my God. Yeah. So Well, to be fair, for contrast, we have Will. Yeah. And Emma, who, you know, normally is not bad. But this yeah. is a subject with which she doesn't have the expertise. Right. Well, and, and it's, just like, it's interesting it's, with her because she is a virgin. Yeah. And I, I do think it is really cool, because they kind of touch upon this with Beast a little bit, too, to talk about these older uh, people that are still virgins. And I think that, you know, there are people out there that are still virgins in their 30s and in their 40s. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, and no, no, definitely I, not. I do like that the show is trying to present that. But at the same time, when you make it like this ridiculous joke and that some Emma is so completely naive about everything... Uh-huh. You kind of just, I don't know, I roll my eyes a little bit. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's a little bit, you know, she's going on about, oh, no, they're children, they should be exposed to, like, they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess my perspective is a little bit different because I'm from Canada and we, you know, everybody gets sex ed education mm-hmm. around age 14. Yeah. So, like, there's none of this absence only or not teaching us. Or Like, you learn what sex is, you learn about how to keep yourself safe, what can happen if you have sex. Like, yes, it is still, 
know, behind the times, or it was when I learned it, because that was, you know, 15 years ago, <laughs> uh, about, you know, teaching about LGBT and everything like that, and the different sexualities. Wait, but, you, you, you guys know. got a conversation about LGBT stuff? No, we, we didn't. Oh, okay. like, it could be changed. Like, I, yeah. I really don't know, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it did, because in Canada, we're a little bit more progressive, more progressive than the U.S. Kind of stuff. <laughs> Which but, is, yeah, because you know, we didn't. We did actually get a, you know, this is what, you know, this is the basics of heterosexual or between person with penis, person with vagina sex, mm-hmm. and here's how to make sure you don't get a disease or don't get pregnant. Right. We had that discussion and everybody got it. So well, and we we had something like that kind of probably, the, well, we were a little, we had like our changing bodies conversation in upper elementary. Okay, we had that too. And then, because all the girls were separated and all the boys were separated, we talked about the parts of the body. And then um, we, we, you know, in high school, uh, you know, we had this book that, yeah, it was like, you know, you're going to feel something for somebody. And then, then they talk about, you know, the mechanics of sex. And then they, we watched like a childbirthing video and it's just a mess. And then unfortunately, um, a, not to get too political on this podcast, but, um, oh, hold on. Let me, there's a plane that needs to pass. So I'm just letting it pass. Bye plane. Bye plane. Um, in in the problem in especially smaller schools in America is that there are still um, not too, how do I put this? Um, there are a lot of people with a lot of religious beliefs, and if the parents find out that they may be talking about sex in schools, you get a lot of parents, and these teachers are put in this hard you know position of what can they say and what can't they say, and, and schools will be. Uh, you know, the teachers will, and I'm sorry, this, the parents, uh, like come in yelling and screaming because I mean, it's bad enough. We have uh, parents yelling and screaming about evolution in schools. I mean, so sex is like yeah. still, unfortunately, this huge taboo subject in America. So, well, like it, I did experience some of that because, um, every year for English or language arts or whatever class it was, um, we had to read a book specifically by an author based in our province and my senior year they wanted us to read this particular book and the parents got in a kerfuffle because there was a sex scene in it mm-hmm. and so we had to read something else which was a boring piece of trash uh, but it's just like we're 17 oh yeah we learned about it what does it matter yep that's like uh, my mom was a, a school librarian um and she put in a, a middle school age book and it's I can't remember what it is, but it's a rather famous book, but it has a boy and he's masturbating. I mean, what 14 year old boy hasn't masturbated, but, um, you know, the, the parents found out about it and she had to pull the book from her, her library. So, oh yeah. So it's, I'm glad Glee takes on this subject and I'm glad yeah. that Holly holiday is saying a lot of honest and open things about it. Um, I do kind of like her line about, um, everybody having a random, I'm like, okay, no, they don't. No. Um, kind of have to. Yeah. Balance it. But yeah. I think this episode, not only where it's talking about sex, it's talking about intimacy mm-hmm. and a lot of the relationships, they're either completely emotionally intimate or completely physically right. intimate, but there's very few relationships that are both. Yep. And oftentimes that's shown as being unhealthy, especially with the Britannia storyline, mm-hmm. how just like, 
they're all physical, and one of them wants emotion, the other one's kind of, eh, I don't know if I can do that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying you need to have to be physically intimate to have a healthy relationship, right. it's just kind of in this context, it's showing that you you should have both, or it's not going to work. So, like, same thing with Will and Holly, like, where, again, more physical than emotional, and that ultimately, I think, comes to their downfall. And also, the writers being like, "No, Will has to be in it with Emma and all that." Yeah, <laughs> and at the same time, you you get um, emotional intimacy with the with Carl and not and and Emma to an extent. I mean, they weren't perfect yeah. or anything, and they don't have the physical intimacy and uh, like Britannia. But um, so it, you're right; it, it is showing one couple maybe having the lack of something else and. Um, the Britannia storyline, I think, is fascinating um, for a lot yeah. of reasons, which is why I'm totally cool with talking about that a little bit um, before we jump into any of the claim stuff. Because, yeah, I mean, here you have two girls, because usually the stereotype is two girls get all weaving emotional about everything, and you have one that doesn't want to get, you know, she just likes having sex and doesn't want to get, you know, um, emotionally invested in anything or is afraid to talk about her feelings or, you know, and you don't usually get that kind of thing with women on TV. And I think it's fantastic, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, their relationship, even in the, especially in this episode is very fascinating to me because I'm not gonna lie. I'm not a huge Britannia. No, shipper. neither am I. Well, but, but we're going to be, I'm like, I like to play fair as much as possible, but yeah, I, no, I'm, I don't I really like, get it. <laughs> Like where, like they're in Britney's bedroom. I'm going to assume it's Britney's bedroom, maybe it's mm-hmm. Hannah's, but it's like I like making out with you, and that's not cheating because it's different plumbing. And I'm just like, Ugh, oh, I know that, like, that's tissue for me. Yeah. But in the end, Hannah's like, I I can't remember if she says I love you or not, but she's like, I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. And then Britney's like, I can't be with you because I still love Artie, and I don't know if it's because I want to be with you, but you won't be out with me or I genuinely do not want to hurt Artie or combination of a bunch of things but mm-hmm. so it's just like the low lowest of lows with that whole it's not cheating with different plumbing that just like, eh. yeah the, that wonderful scene with them in the lockers which is heartbreaking and you see Santana show actual emotion and vulnerability mm-hmm. and you know actually verbalizing like I want to be with you but I don't want to be basically I don't want to go through what Kurt went through mm-hmm. and what she eventually does go through is you know terrible mm-hmm. so her fears were founded yeah but it's just like yeah, yeah that's the the thing about Britannia and hopefully I don't get too much hate about saying this I don't hate them I just don't ship them I guess you could say yeah um it's the the a lot of I get it. I get that Santana really was trying to do what Santana knows what to do to get to Brittany, but her level of manipulation, and I'm not saying that Brittany was manipulated. I, I do think that she really like loves Santana and everything, but Oh, she definitely does. Yeah, but I just don't like, I mean, it goes on all the way through Prom Queen and the end of New York and into season three and every, and I just, it, it's always left a kind of bad taste. So while yeah. I do appreciate the steps that they took with Brittana, and I do think this is one of the better episodes that they get, um, I, I, I'm just not on board with it, but that's just me. Yeah. There's, you know... If yeah, like, there are, there are other things, like, so Kenna said either about Brittany or about 
certain aspects of their relationship, like in season five when he starts dating Danny, then I'm just like, yeah, I really can't get behind you guys being together. It's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's like, you know, live and let live. I don't chip them, but I don't have anything really against them. Right. Yeah, like, I don't, like, angry Britannia fans, please do not write us no, angry no, letters, but please, no, they're adorable you know, and they get their happy ending, exactly. and I'm perfectly fine with the way their story, you know, yeah, comes goes, together, and exactly. once it gets into, like, season five and season six, and they're back together and working things out, and are in this really wonderful, healthy place, you know, that's great, mm-hmm. but as of, like, this episode, just like, you know, they're, yeah. they're not for me, but... Yeah, exactly, no, and and I do encourage if, if anybody's listening is a huge Britannia fan and they, they want to talk about um, what really motiv- you know moves them with Britannia, please feel free to like uh, put it on a post or send me a message or something, and we would love to hear from you. Um, so, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, but you you said you had taken a lot of notes though. If you was there more points you want to yeah, make? Yeah, like go I ahead. went through the episode, just kind of like took notes, like sure, from go the for beginning it. throughout, like. Um, like it starts out and they're at Celica's club cleaning. My first thought was like, "Where's Mercedes?" Because Mercedes is all about waiting till marriage and everything like that. And I'm just wondering, that is a good did point. she not? Did she come and got sick of the Finn Rachel Quinn nonsense and you know said, "Bye, losers, I'm going home," or she's just like, "Nah, I don't need to because I'm I'm firm mm-hmm. in my belief of I'm not going to do this." Or is that something she arrives at later? You know or is that, it just the writers completely shag Mercedes once again? Yeah. Well, that's probably the biggest reason. But yeah. you know what I really... Because they do usually keep her out of all of these conversations about sex until they really get into it in season five. However, it's unfortunate in some respects that Mercedes isn't a part of this because her choice to keep her virginity, I think, is you know something admirable to see a teen on TV do because it's her choice. I feel like the rest of these people in the, the celibacy club for this moment, it, they may not be as sincere or honest in their beliefs. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. I don't know if I can really... Uh, I have a feeling Rachel is literally only there to question Quinn and get right. some answers about exactly. what's going on with her and Finn. Yep. And uh, Quinn is was part of the, the celibacy club before the whole Puck Beth fiasco, right. and she's trying to kind of find herself again. So Quinn completely believable, mm-hmm. but Rachel, I'm thinking, is more so there yeah. to question Quinn, even though I think at one point she says she's not going to have sex until she wins her first Tony, but I think that's the first time, so it's just like... Oh, yeah, that's right. Her, 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 I guess, barometer of when I plan to lose my virginity kind of ebbs and flows depending on what yeah, state of exactly. the relationship she's in with Finn, specifically. Right. Right, and Tina's not there because what episode? It just did I? Oh, it was rumors, so it's not even happened yet. But um, she says in rumors, you know, that truth about Asian guys, and she's like, nope. So I, I'm assuming she and, and Mike are already having sex. So and if they're not having sex, they're doing sexy things. Where, you know, right, she did have to cool like, herself down. Never mind, kids. Yeah, because so. I think in the first time they said they did it over the summer, and I had always assumed it was the summer between season two and season three. Uh-huh, but maybe they did it the first summer they got together. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but like the, the Tyke relationship is always so very much in the background, yeah. and then you, you know it would have been nice to get a bit more insight into it. But then you know. Mm-hmm. That would mean they'd actually do some justice to Tina before they turned her character into 
a person I can't stand. So. <laughs> oh, Tina. You're always getting the short end of the stick. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to let you go ahead and take the lead just because I only have the claim parts of this. So if you have your no- yeah. go ahead and go down your notes and that's what's okay. going to follow. So, um, yeah, I just kind of like, was like, I don't understand absence only education because I never got it. Yeah. Uh, Neither did I. Like, so. I, I'm, I'm just like, okay, yes, teach them that this is the best way not to get pregnant and not to get STIs, whatever, but they still need to understand what sex is yep. and how to keep safe. Right. Well, and I think there there needs to be an honest conversation about, and we'll get really into this when we talk about Bert, um, that, you know, this is a primal thing. This is animals do this to keep, this is how we keep our species going. So it is the, one of the most basic instincts up there with eating and pooping. And it's like, so to try and pass that off, as, the, as if it's not, I feel it, it just doesn't work. Teenagers are yeah. still going to go find a way because it feels good. And they're and it's, you know, the biology is saying go procreate. So I, I feel yeah. like abstinence is definitely something you can say, hey, this is an option, but here are all of the facts. You know, nobody's pushing you to do anything. And like Mercedes, you know, if you want to keep your virginity, that's 100% okay. Or if you're like Emma and you just haven't, that's okay too. But, you yeah, know. And if you identify as asexual, which I don't know how Glee would have handled it, but, you know, mm-hmm. saying that's another valid option. Mm-hmm. But, like, you still should be informed. Right. Because even asexual people might engage in sexual acts yeah. for whatever reason. Well, and I think. Just to keep yourself safe yep. and informed. Because I think at this point, it shouldn't be Emma talking to these kids about. Yeah. Absolutely. It should be Quinn, because Quinn went and got pregnant and did the whole thing. It's like, okay, here's what happened to me, like, mm-hmm. emotionally, physically. Like, right. here's where I am now, and this is what happens, because I can't remember if she and Puck used a condom in a broker, or they just didn't use a condom. Mm-hmm. But, like, here's what happens when you have sex. It might not happen to you. It might be perfectly fine, but here's what happened. Be aware of these consequences. I am... You know, maybe she doesn't want to be, you know, that, that poster girl for teenage pregnancy. But it's like, this is what happened. Think before you screw. Right. Whatever. <laughs> exactly, though. I mean, it's like, you know, teaching them, you know, everyday things like cooking and finances and sex. It should just be something that is in, you know, early or teenage whenever your you know parents feel comfortable doing it but it's something that a responsible parent should do that's yeah. just me so and like um i also noted like very quickly that when emma and holly get introduced emma actually shakes holly's hand without like without like sanitizing or anything like that i'm just like whoa what's going on there but whoa. it wasn't like a big thing i was just noticing like that's odd interesting she's there, she's still they're like cleaning things and she's, but she's also sending holly a look that could cut glass <laughs> that's so. not surprising so. <laughs> but yeah and then like they're in the hallway and Santana and Brittany are talking and Brittany's like I'm pregnant and it's kind of played off, off as haha Brittany is stupid mm-hmm. but it kind of points out these kids need this education because they don't know where babies right. come from right and then when you get to the first time and Brittany actually reveals like Someone snuck into my tent and raped me, even though that's the way she put it. Oh, boy, yeah. These kids can get taken advantage of because they are uneducated right, about exactly. what sex is and 
consent and safe sex practices and like it might not happen but it's like it's played out for a laugh but I took it like really seriously like no these kids need this education because they can be taken advantage of you know and not to downplay that men need education they do but then especially about consent and everything but I think women really you know I think in, in media, we see a lot of, like, men going out and having sex and, and, you know, the way, I don't know, I just think that guys get more of an education just from society, too, and women don't. I mean, I, I yeah. um, in college, I had a um, roommate, now we're going to get personal here, uh, um, is, is that um, she wasn't, she's been dating her, she had been dating her boyfriend for a year, and she didn't know if she had an orgasm or not. And yeah. um, we actually went to a um, really cool seminar that um, that was put on by the health department um, about women and orgasms and, you know, all sorts of things, not just, you know, penetrative sex, but masturbation and all of this jazz. And it was so informative. And it, I did this as a freshman. And, like, I'm glad I went, even though I knew more than she did. But it was, you know, uh, but I was in college when that happened. And I yeah, think exactly. It, yeah. And Holly even points out, like, yeah, these kids can go out the internet is there but how many of them are going to right yeah how many of uh, like you know how many of them are actually going going to go out and research what is sex especially if they're in a smaller town which you know then might be more protective parents who have like parental controls like you can't look it up at school right exactly kind of stuff because that would definitely that's blocked, blocked. I know another thing with my mom and, and being a librarian, she was very upset about. Um, I mean, she understood that you can't have porn on 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 uh, libraries, you know, uh, public schools um, uh, computers. But like, let's say somebody's um, mom has breast cancer, and she and the kid can't do any research on that because it was blocked because the word breast is blocked. And yeah, so somebody needs to be having conversations with these kids about you know all of these things or where they can find information. So, and their parents might be like, "Oh, you know, wait till you're married," kind of thing. But so it's kind of it's the responsibility of the teacher to make sure these children are informed. You are responsible for these children while they are in your care, and you know you're supposed to be making sure they're educated about all aspects of life. Mm -hmm. And that's you know, and just jumping ahead very quickly to what like Blaine said to Bert happen to any of them like right. they're all very naive they could go to a party have a few drinks get taken advantage of but mm -hmm. like you know and that could still happen even while educated of right. course obviously right. but you know you're better off having the knowledge mm -hmm. than not right and I, I as much as I really don't like Holly Holiday I hate to agree with her I yep. think she's right in saying Emma's naive mm-hmm about this whole subject and saying, no, the kids don't need to learn about it. Like, right. No, they definitely, definitely do. Yep. Especially, like, Finn, who's there thinking he got his girlfriend pregnant by, you know, jizzing in a hot tub. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's like, he doesn't know any better. Brittany yeah. doesn't know any better. And, like, they are always portrayed as, ha-ha, they're stupid. But still, like... And I, I wonder if Glee plays it off like that way. They did this a little bit... How do I put this? Anything that's super controversial of a conversation, um, especially in the first couple of seasons, if it's too controversial, they'll make it kind of a joke. Um, yeah. Like, a Holly Holiday was kind of a joke. Or they'll make Sue the villain say it. Um, yeah. Kind of way, uh, like Sue's atheism and grilled cheeses. 
um, was presented with Sue because then if people wanted hair, they could say, oh, it's Sue. So it's almost yeah. like Glee tries to build in these back doors so that, you know, like, hey, we're presenting all sides or, hey, you know, we're, you know, um, a little bit later in the series, I think they're a little more like, no, this is how we feel. You can take it or leave it. But they, yeah. they're a little bit more careful with their. Well, that, that that's definitely apparent because Will comes in and he's like flustered and bumbling trying to say he barely even says the word sex to these kids, like adult relations. I'm like, well, if you can't say it, then how are you expecting to teach right. it to them? And then Holly Holiday comes in and he's and she's like trying to actually talk to him. He's there making goofy sound effects and I'm like, Will, stop. Now, at the same time, I don't know if like incorporating sex into their. Oh, oh no, that God. was just a stupid plan. <laughs> that was just a stupid, stupid plan because Holly Holiday is teaching health and wellness class where she's explaining here's how to put on a condom. Right. Granted, like, yeah, that is probably a way a lot of people learn by putting it on fruit. Yeah. But, like, she's actually teaching them, here's what sex is, here's how to be safe in her Holly Holiday way, but mm-hmm. she's still teaching them in the class that is designated for that. Right. There was no reason to take away a week of regionals prep. <laughs> you <Yeah>. do that. <laughs> there was no reason other than to get them to sing the songs they sang. Oh, yeah. And get Gwyneth Paltrow back. Oh my gosh! And then I that's, mean, that was it. There was no reason for her. To what is be what is that first song that they sing? That just touch, I think. Yeah. That she, and she comes with the leather jacket. And the girls are all like flashing yeah. and everything. I'm just like, what? What does this have to do? <laughs> like at the very end, she gets a good point of saying, like, you know, you are sleeping with everybody that other person has slept with. That's great, but you could do that by holding hands with glitter between your palms. Yep. And you can see how herpes spreads or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Herpes, a craft world, or something. Yeah, like, exactly. it's very simple exercise. It didn't need the raunchy song. Mm-hmm. And even Will holds up science as too much. Yep. Like, yeah. <laughs> He's already realizing this was a bad plan. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, I pulled up a, um, as a side note, I pulled up the Gooey Wiki um, uh, recap. So I have the whole episode in front of me. Yay. Okay. So just so that I can remember what is in this episode. But, yeah. Okay, um, so then I think we do get into, finally, um, you know, half an hour into this, we're talking about Kurt now. <laughs> Adorable boys and skirts! Oh, yeah, and I, my, it's really, really, really lame of me that I laugh at my own jokes. You can, guys can make fun of me all you want, that's fine. But I wrote in my notes something about it looks like they just off, stepped off a Harry Potter set. Like, yeah, you, you know at some point. And like try to sneak in like a Gryffindor scarf. She's like, this is totally my Dalton scarf. <laughs> what? No, it's totally the right colors. And then Chris would be like right along with us. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like, totally wear my Gryffindor scarf too. <laughs> Probably like, yeah, she's adorable. Uh, you can't tell that that's uh, you know yellow and red instead of blue and gray and red. Gray and red. Totally not. <laughs> my one of I'm gonna I don't know if I'll edit this out or not. One of my favorite stories. Um, about Chris and Darren and their friendship is um, when, oh gosh, I don't know what who Chris said that he was like in the Harry Potter fandom, but Darren's like, no, you're not. You're like McGonagall. And <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> but, I, but yes, he's totally McGonagall. Yeah. And, and yeah, Chris was like, oh my God, why have I never thought of that before? But anyway. Um, so yeah, they, um, so New Directions decides to be sexy. And so Sue finds out about this. And goes to tell Kurt and Blaine. Why? Who knows? 
because she can. Because she thinks they're in cahoots. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I just don't know. But she's like, oh, I heard this was a Warbler's hangout. I'm like, okay, why are the Warblers who go to school in Westerville hanging out a store called the Lima Bean? Which is probably in Lima. Oh, yeah. Like, um... Like, that makes no sense. Especially when we were at Dalton. They seem to have perfectly nice coffee there. No, I've never been kissed. <laughs> My favorite thing, and I'll totally talk about this more when I do the Rumors podcast, but, um... Sam delivering pizza to Dalton. I'm like, dude, what is that radius of that pizza place? Because <laughs> that would be yeah. We we won't get into the Glee writers not understanding <laughs> the geography of Ohio. I'm thinking in the in Glee verse, it's right Westerville and Lima are like right next door to one another, and that's that's that. That's that. They're, they're like a drive. Really, Dalton becomes like the private school next to McKinley's. You know. <laughs> Uh, in the same place as McKinley's um, public school. Yeah. Something. But um, I have noticed, it is really, I have never noticed it until I started doing these podcasts, just how much there is some kind of, like, weird, twisted, like, relationshipy thing going between Kurt and Sue. Like, Sue is always up and bald in his plot lines. <laughs> For yep. no reason other than she can be. So it's not, I remember when we were watching the end of the series and, you know, they have this poignant moment. I was like, that's kind of random. But, like, no, there's always been something there. Well, Sue feels very protective of Kurt. Like, I think once he won her yet another Nationals trophy for cheerleading, mm. she kind of endeared herself to him. Right. And I think she's a little bit more invested in their relationship than he is. Oh, yeah. To the point of stalking them to the limousine and trapping them in an elevator and all that other <laughs> highly illegal, questionable stuff. Yep. Well, but even the the Madonna care about him. Yep. The in Ma- her weird, twisted Sue way. Right. Um, in the Madonna, the makeover um, that he did yeah. for her, I feel I was wow. like something somewhere in season one, something flipped, and she's just a little bit nicer in her own Sue idea of nicer because locking them in an elevator is not nice. Um. But well, meanwhile, Blaine is just like, what is up with this lady? <laughs> I He's know. He's just so confused. Because <laughs> this random woman in a tracksuit just comes up behind them and is like, you know, here's what's going on in your old school and give me information and I'm going to add sugar packets into my thing of coffee and like it's a so shot gross. worth of flavoring or whatever in the world it was and drink it. Blaine's just like, what is going on? And he's always... Even to the end of it, yeah, he's very confused by Sue going to that last conversation. It's like, yes. okay, whatever. <laughs> I like, love, oh, I'm so glad to be rid of you, Sue. So that's her. I love Kurt's line of "This is just how he, she talks." <laughs> like that's his explanation <laughs> to Blaine about Sue. There's like no explanation. I can't. This is just her. So, but yeah, and then um, well, but however, she does inspire Blaine to be sexified, or however he puts that. Well, it's gotta be sexified. And he's like, no, <laughs> The look on Kurt's face is like, what the hell? <laughs> How did this turn into that? What have you wrought? So, and he just looks, it's so funny, because he, he has so many emotions on his face, because at the end he's like, wait a minute, why are we doing this? Why do we have to do this? Blaine, what are you doing? <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, and this is the 
enema line is in this. Um, yeah. Which oh. I didn't realize, yeah, I wrote something about um, the writers used the, the very punny enema thing here with the two gay kids. <laughs> it's probably not a coincidence. They saved that for them. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then I think there's like a very short flip back to McKinley where it's just basically Emma's really up in arms about Holly teaching him about sex and, you know... She's kind of saying, oh, Holly's saying we should have sex. I'm like, I'm like, no, that's not what she's saying at all. She's just yep. saying that if they're going to have sex, they should be informed and be safe. Right. And, you know, Emma should be saying, you know, do it when you're ready. Don't feel pressured and everything like that. But that's not really the message I'm getting out of Emma. It's just like we are choosing not to do it at all well and emma at this point also is kind of running from her feelings anyway because she yeah, is in a definitely. her relationship with carl isn't she shouldn't have gotten married to him in the first place and poor underutilized john stamos i know yeah so um i like john stamos way better than will but whatever yeah <laughs> but the writers were not going to write out matt morrison why not? That's a <laughs> tragedy at epic proportions. No. Like, but, yeah, it's just like, I, I get where I'm coming from, and yes, you know, do tell the kids that the option of waiting is there, but that's, I don't know, I don't think she conveys her message of celibacy as a valid choice very well. Right. Right. Especially when she's not being emotionally honest with herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know. I feel for poor Emma. I really do. But it's just like, I don't think what you're trying to do mm. is coming across right. And I don't think you're doing it for the right reasons. Right. Like You are trying to justify your choice not to be physically intimate with your husband mm-hmm. by, you know, mentoring these kids to not rush into anything. But it's just like, you need to talk to a professional mm. and maybe sort out why. Right. You're not, you don't want this intimacy. I also do appreciate, and Emma does this a couple of times too, um, uh, is, is, um, sorry, I just lost track of my thought. Um, oh, is that, Holly says, I'm not a counselor and I'm not a doctor. And then Emma sometimes says, you know, I'm not a couple counselor at certain points. And I'm glad that they put that in there because like, so that people aren't like, okay, well, this person knows what they're talking about. Well, they, they don't necessarily, they're coming from a place that, you know, the opinion might be a right, you know, thing, but don't take this as the gospel type thing. Yeah, and, and later on they do show Emma seeking therapy and not putting, like, a stigma or taboo on it, saying, like, right. look, this is a valid and healthy choice. Mm-hmm. And they do it plain later on in season six, even though we don't really get to see that, but they do both say, I'm talking to a therapist, I'm getting professional help for my mental health issues, and they don't play that off as a shameful thing or anything like that. And I, I do have to give Glee props for that by saying, like, look, if you need to go to a therapist, if you need to take medication, do it. Yep, exactly. And do not put it off. Don't, you know, peer support is great. Talking to your teachers and your guidance counselor and your friends, it's all wonderful. But sometimes they are not qualified to help to seek a professional. Yep. And, you know, yep, exactly. it, it, it's worth it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh. All right, moving on. So, um, unless there's anything over in the McKinley side, I'm going to jump over to the animal scene. 
Oh, yeah, that, I think um, that's directly after it. And I'm just like, and then Blaine is there, just like, hold on, your Bobby socks. I'm like, Darren, you can rock the Bobby socks off. Oh, a side note, even though I think this is sort of relevant, and I'll probably keep this in the podcast. Have you ever seen Darren Chris live? I saw him Hedwig twice. It there, was glorious. Oh, my God. There is a raw quality about him. For one weekend, and I was like, screw it, I'm going again. <laughs> it was worth every single penny, and then I waited an hour and a half for an autograph, and it was worth every single <laughs> inch of pain I had to sit through in the sweltering hot June weather in New York, but it was glorious. <laughs> um, I, I, I got the chance to go to his, his Listen Up tour, and for a while that isn't Hedwig. Um, I have never seen a performer live with that much, much raw sexuality. I, I, it's just shocking. Yep. And yep, it's like, yum. And, and, oh my God. So, um, it's not surprising to me that, that Blaine comes off kind of in the same way, um, whether it's yeah. intentional or not. Um, Blaine does have this charisma and this, you know, draw. Like, one thing I noticed with, with watching Darren is that you, you just can't keep your eyes off him mm-hmm. when he's performing. And, you know, as much as Kurt and Chris Colfer draws attention, and he does, I'm not downplaying that. Oh, yeah, um, no, Chris is a beautiful man in his own right, but it's just like... It's not the same kind of thing. And, and it's not. Um, this is not... I really want to make this this point clear. This is not a criticism of Kurt. Um, nope. It's different strengths. Because um, Kurt comes into his own, and he definitely has the boys, like, mm-hmm. yep. drooling all over him, especially... In, uh, I think it's Tested, where he's, tested. like, lifting weights and he's shirtless. And he's like, yep, give me some of that. I will right. take one of those, please. Well, and even look at I Do when that scene after they have sex. Kurt and Blaine have sex. Yeah. And he's yeah. very, he, like... He, when he when he doesn't try, mm-hmm. Kurt is incredibly sexy. Yeah. When he tries, it causes a hand of embarrassment that I can't bear to watch. And <laughs> even though I love this song... <laughs> I, I, I think song. I will sing to it along with it and I'll dance along with it on my iPod, but I can't watch the scene because I'm just like cringing, like, no, Kurt, baby, stop, no. <laughs> he was so much more, I won't say sexy, but coy and flirty in, like, baby, it's cold outside, where he wasn't right. trying. Yep. And we actually talked about that in the, um, um, anyway, yeah, so, um, yeah, playing is so. Uh, charismatic when he when he dances and and sings and you just he has that natural ability and kurt doesn't and you're you're right like in um we'll see it in born this way um in baby it's cold outside in even four minutes of season one um there he does have a bit of sensuality now he's not the greatest dancer ever um, he's awkward. Anybody that writes in their fic that Kurt is graceful needs to go back and watch no. the series. But, but, but like, even if you've seen the Glee tour doing single ladies, like, yeah, get oh yeah, glass water, please. Holy friggin' moly! I should post that video up again. Like, whoa, um, that boy like, can move yeah. his hips. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing here is. Um, he's out of his element. He's trying yep. to perform for these girls who he has no emotional attachment to. Um, yep. He's trying to impress Blaine. He's trying to impress the other warblers. He's trying to do what he thinks is sexy and not what actually comes naturally to him. So we get all of these awkward moves and facial expressions. Yeah. Which is oh. Oh, so, so painful. 
it is painful. <laughs> but while I was watching it, I was just like, blame all like, we have to be sexified, and even then, their dances aren't really no. what I would qualify as sexy, and then I'm like, flashing forward to next season, where Sam is just like, we should work in some of my stripper moves, and Blaine reacts so violently to that, but that's for other reasons, so I'm like, Blaine, your idea of dancing sexy is not exactly, you know, yeah, sexified as the same as what even Holly is doing back on McKinley, so it's exactly. Like, it's very interesting con- contrast to, uh, I've never thought of it that before, that way before, with the comparison to the the Sam stuff in season three, but I, I totally get it. And I think Blaine also is more of a romantic in, in a lot of ways. And his, you know, it's a charming, like, I'm going to sweep you off your feet and, he's, you know. He's a 1950s sexy. Yes, exactly. Like, fade to black after a, a very swooping kiss. Exactly. Exactly. Which is really well mashed for Kurt, even if it's not, you know, even if this episode seems like other otherwise it's, it's not i mean um i i think that if you get too intimate details into too, too intimate details blaine's gonna blush too he's not gonna you know it's not about the the pelvic thrusts as sam does in season three it's about yeah. you know your facial expressions and you know that kind of thing yeah and then like afterwards they're talking and i'm like first of all where do you get the phone machine b or two why are you two the ones who have to clean it up? Oh, that reminds me of, of two things, uh, two thoughts ahead of this. First is, um, if I, I'm sure everybody's heard this story before because I've mentioned it all the time, but um, when I watched it with my mom last summer, and my mom's not a prude, but it was so funny watching this with her, and then she just turns to me and she goes, I think that's the least level thing Lee has done so far. <laughs> it really, really was. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh, but, man. Like, but then the, just the two of them after the girls give clean summary is like, yeah, sorry, not your team. Mm-hmm. Just like, why are you two the ones like left yeah. cleaning it up? Are all the other warblers like off flirting with the proper county D school girls, or <laughs> did they just up and leave? Like, why are you two the ones well, left cleaning all this net? I have to wonder where even is this? Because you and I realized just like five minutes ago when I was looking through my notes, I'm pretty sure this is the state same studio that they shoot Niata in. The, the lighting looks really similar, and the, the layout. So just, like, try and picture Niata stuff in there, and I think it's the Niata room that they later use. But I don't know, because, like, when you said that, I immediately went to St. Hannah performing cold-hearted on all the scaffolding. Yep. yep, maybe. Yep. But I'm like, where is this warehouse that they're performing? Just some random warehouse? <laughs> like, <laughs> Did Blaine just rent this? family own it? Or is one of the Warbler families own it? Or is it just a random place that's like, hey, can, we, can our acapellas group come and do this sexy dance for these teenage girls in schoolgirl uniforms? Like, you know, where... Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Who knows? It's just like, where do you go in Ohio to rent a giant foam machine? <laughs> I'm sure for parties. I don't know. Maybe Columbus. I don't know. <laughs> rent it from Chicago. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, Kurt's there. Just like, I have him sexual appeal. And I'm just like... I just kind of thought about it. I'm just like... Is that because he just is just so low about himself, or is it because like every time he's trying to try to express his sexuality, even just by being interested in a boy, he's kind of shamed for it or rejected mm-hmm. for yeah. it or turned down? Just like his sexuality has kind of become this expressing it has almost become a negative thing. Exactly, and that is one thing I'm so kind of thrilled to get to this baby penguin stuff because. 
in season one, there really wasn't a baby penguin. And even in parts of season two, there's not. But the fact is that every time he has tried to express, like you said, his own sexuality, whether it be with Finn or Sam or, you know, just in general, liking celebrities or whatever, you know, society says, no, Finn says you're awful and you, you know, you know, don't come near me or whatever. And then with Sam, it's like, you know, don't do that. You'll be the laughing stock of the school or whatever. And every time, or even with Blaine, where Blaine is just like, I really like you, but I don't want to screw up our friendship. Right. And he might take that as, I don't see you as a sexually appealing person. I'm not well, attracted to yep, you. And this I is like you, but, and that could just, and you know, eventually that all goes away, but right. This is even post, um, uh, blame it on the alcohol, uh, where he, where Blaine kissed Rachel first. And, yeah. and that's, that really stays with Kurt for a long time. So yep. all of this stuff, it's that he's been told, you know, his entire life that he has no sexual appeal. So this, I don't think the baby penguin thing is something, I mean, yeah, he is a little bit more innocent than other people. He's not Santana, obviously, but like, he is not, you know, prudent baby penguin can't do anything. Like this is just this moment in time. And I think this is just a (laughs) rant from that. I'm going to go on for just a second, because I think that fic writers and people when talking about it in fandom, they get carried away with this one moment. Yes. And they forget the context that it's in. And they label Kurt as this, you know, genuine baby penguin for life. And I'm like, well, let's move on even into, like, this season, later season three, and then four and five. And it just, it's not who Kurt is. It's just in this moment, this is what he is. Yeah, and, like, I got to thinking about it. um, And, you know, maybe Kurt is the type of person that needs that romantic or familiar relationship Mm -hmm. to even think about sexy things like maybe you know he needs that romance first right and then then he can kind of be then he's completely comfortable because like it's not like a sexy situation like earlier you said four minutes but he's with mercedes who he has a love for right so he's more comfortable expressing himself and then once he and blaine get together and start having sex they literally don't stop. Yep. <laughs> as we see in later seasons, and as long as we ignore that stupid Christmas episode in season five, because that's not canon in my head. Well, and know, I can even every time Kurt has you know sex, it's with someone who he has romantic feelings for, even if he's not in a romantic relationship with them at the time. Right. And it's blame. My but, my thing with the Christmas episode, and obviously I'll talk way more about this in the Christmas episode, is that. You gotta, like, that's also in context. If you take a Kurt who is just broken because of, you know, this, you know, breakup, and, you know, he's like, I have to try and do something that, he even says it in the episode, I'm gonna try and not be myself, and he tries that, and, you know, it kind of blows up in his face. That's not really him, that's just kind of, the best way I can put it, I have actually a really good friend of mine who, she was in a relationship. It's kind of like Kurt and Blaine. They were high school sweethearts. They were going to get married. And unfortunately, this doesn't have a happy ending with the two of them. But, like, they, they called off the engagement. And uh. she was always the type of person to, like, be in a long-term relationship. And, you know, she, and she um, she went on a, like, three-month, like, sex binge where she just, like, slept with everybody. Because she just was, like, so down on herself. that she's like, fine, forget it. I'm just going to, you know throw caution to the wind and try all of this stuff. And 
it didn't work. Uh, she, yeah. she didn't like herself after that, and she eventually kind of got herself out of the funk, and she's now happily married to another man. Um, yeah. But that's just, you know, that moment she was so sad and so hurting. So I, I can fit the Christmas episode into that. But, it, it, again, it's context. I mean, that's not... His natural personality yeah, no, is not going to go find where you're going from yeah, there. Okay. I still hate that episode. Oh, yeah, me but, too. But I like to... I, I, I don't but, like yeah, the argument that... That's just that, my thought on Kurt, is that... I, I'm not going to classify and say he's, like, demisexual or right. whatever, but I think, honestly, you could make that argument saying Kurt needs that relationship to comfortably express his sexuality. Right. And going... Uh, um, uh, going back to the, that Christmas episode for a second, like, he's happiest in a relationship that has a loving sex life. That kind of, like, random sex at the, in, you know, in the morning, had Cody not stolen everything and whatever they did, have sex, I don't think he was going to wake up the next morning feeling great and happy about his life. No. And so, plus he was drinking. I think he would have regretted it completely the next morning like what did i do and and that's not saying that you know if you're the type of person that likes to go out drinking and hook up with guys no, no. that's not we're not we're definitely not saying that but we're just saying that no. that's not kurt and no, i i have not. heard the um the demisexual um I, I think it is a valid i don't think there is one way or the other to really prove it because they don't get too no, much no, into a sex. but as, as somebody who is demisexual um i will i don't know not say that straightforward that I am I identify as demisexual. They I can make a case for and against Kurt being it. Um, yeah. But I do think it is fascinating as somebody who never really had um, a demisexual character to look up to in any kind of thing to see Kurt kind of have a lot of these traits is is really meaningful to me. So I think that if you are someone who, who identifies um, on the asexual scale or whatnot, and you you know that works with. Kurt's character, then go for it and interpret it that way. If you're someone who doesn't and you see things like, because Kurt definitely does have, like, he likes Blaine's brother, he likes Ricky Martin, and like all of these, you know. Everyone likes yeah. Blaine's brother, Ricky Martin. True. Um, there are different, ar- differently arguments to argue the other way, and I'm not saying that one way it's right yeah. or the other, but if you feel like in your own life, if you want to interpret them because they, they help you a- identify your own self, I don't think that that's a bad interpretation. Yeah, yeah. That's just kind of the feel I got just from this conversation. You can argue one way or the other, but yeah, I I think Kurt definitely yeah is more comfortable having that right. relationship first because he's like I'm more comfortable with the Broadway musicals, like the touch of fingertips or the fade to black or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. But it's just like just last episode though, Kurt was like saying to Bert. I want you to be better educated in case I have questions. And he's complaining in this episode, I don't know anything about sex, but I don't want to know. Just right. like, what's going on? Well, let's kind of pin in on that because I think, yeah. well, we can talk a little more about that when we talk about the birth thing. Um, oh, yeah. Jumping back, um, I do have a question uh, of what your opinion is on Blaine talking about Kurt's um, gas pains. Because I know... Uh, Blaine gets a lot of hate for things that I don't think he should get hate for, and this is one of them. I, I think, think he was trying to basically say, like, you know, maybe you're not comfortable. I, I don't know exactly what he was trying to say. Like, the way he said it was not the best way to put it. Right, exactly. Obviously, but he's a 16-year-old boy, and they rarely know the good way to put things. No. 
and it's just kind of saying like, look, whatever you were going for didn't work. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could try something different and maybe if it's just the two of us in a situation where like nobody's there except for me, who you feel comfortable with mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, yeah, it was definitely not, the greatest way to put it or the greatest thing to say. Right. I definitely think he could put it a better. More sensitively, but, yeah. But know, at the I same think- time, I mean, Kurt is just, I mean, at, I'm not saying that, I, I get, I'm agreeing with you that, that Blandon definitely didn't say it correctly, but, you know, here's your friend who you're trying to get pumped up and be sexy with, and he's just struggling, and you're kind of like, what is going on, honey? Like, this, this isn't, and I'm guessing... I have to throw, you know, after, like, baby, it's cold outside. I know that Blaine's not entirely in touch with his feelings at the moment, but I would like to think that Blaine has seen Kurt a little bit more together in performances and trying to, maybe not, he's never seen him try to be sexy before, but he knows that Kurt is better than whatever that was, you know? Yeah. And, like, even later on, where he kind of goes to Bert says, like, hey, you should talk to Kurt about sex. I'm like, I don't know if I've ever had a friend, and a friend friend, right. who would go to my parents and say, you should teach your child about sex, and I'm not sure exactly what Bert was thinking about playing <laughs> the next episode after Kurt Lane got together. It's like, I'm giving you sex talk. Now you're with the boy who like, told me to give you sex talk. I don't like where this is going, kind of thing. Oh, but, it's so funny. Um, yeah, let's... But, let's you know, um, I don't know if like that's a friend thing that to do. I don't know. I I couldn't imagine anybody. The funny thing about that scene, and well, we can dive into it a little bit more when we get past the the mirror scene. Um, <laughs> uh, is um, it cracks me up because in canon you see Bert walking in with Blaine in Kurt's bed, and then the scene where he talks to Bert about sex, and then they get together in the next episode. I can't imagine. Yep. Why is there not a fic with Bert's? you know, train of thought during all of this, because... I'm sure there is. Someone leave it in the comments. <laughs> yes. Give it to us. Yes. I will read them. There, is, there needs to be more early claim from Bert's perspective. Yeah. Just I can because totally I love imagine. Bert. Like, here's this kid where, you know, his kid, his own kid is just absolutely... You can see Kurt is just over the moon in love with this kid. I'm sure Bert didn't hear the end of Blaine, uh, you know, and... Um, or Bert didn't hear the end of Blaine because Kurt always was talking about him, and then you know suddenly he's in the bed, and suddenly you know there's a sex talk, and suddenly they're dating, and so, you know, <laughs> like Kurt, I love you, but no more Blaine talk during dinner. <laughs> I'm sure at one point it's like shut up about this boy. <laughs> well, at least also no, you know what? I'm gonna save it, my thought for it. Let's talk about the mirror first, and then I'll get into my thought. Okay. Sorry. Um, and another secondhand appearance. I'm like, oh. Now, uh, this no, cracks me up. I like you said, I can't imagine the conversation where Blaine's like, okay, Kurt, let's go to your house, and then you're, I'm going to teach you how to be sexy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how mortifying for Kurt in, in some respects. To Yes, definitely. So, like, to have to get sexy lessons yeah. from this boy you were crushing on, mm-hmm. it's just like, no. You have more strength than I do because I would be like bright red and I wouldn't have been able to even no. do what Kurt was doing, which is, you know, I can't imagine no starly pieces. Well, and he's trying to, <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> trying to, you know, plus he has to downplay it a little bit too because he doesn't want to 
quote unquote ruin the friendship or you know try and yeah. come on too strong to blame because he wants to preserve this friendship. So even if he wasn't <laughs> this horrible awkward you know little muffin, he he's he can't go too far with it. I mean, it's how <sighs> no one can resist the smolder. <laughs> oh yeah. I just yeah, the first time I watched this it was just like, you know, watching it with my hands over my face, like through my fingers, kind of like, oh my god. Although I bet you Chris had a ball. Oh, I'm it. sure. He's like, Can I do this? Can I do this? I bet you he was just like trying to make the most ridiculous faces to crack each other, to crack them themselves up. Oh I bet. betting the director hated them by the end of the day, like, oh my god, take fifty billion stop it. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm betting they had to take multiple takes from oh, yeah. that scene just from Chris trying to crack everybody up. Well, and I, I just can only imagine Darren's one of those people who just crack up laughing over nothing. Like, it's not even that funny, Darren. <laughs> yeah, I can so. totally, totally see that happening. And then it becoming a competition. Oh, yeah. Who can do the worst. <laughs> and it just devolving into laughter and them having to just come back the next day when they're ready to be serious. <laughs> Uh, not that, yeah, I'm sure they also had their very professional days too, but this is not yeah. one of them, I'm sure. <laughs> not for this scene. I, I just can't see those two boobers not <laughs> just taking a chance to goof off. <sighs> and, although I'm weirded out as to why they're sitting in Kurt's bedroom and Kurt's still in his Dalton uniform. It's like, you think, oh, like, yeah, no, screw it. I have to get this cheap polyester blend sweater off of me and at least throw on an ascot. That's true. Uh, they were very... Jack it off, you know, relax. They were really... Uh, you know what? Now that I think of it, that's a really cool point. They were very careful not to really dress Kurt in anything other than um, his Dalton stuff went around Blaine. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I don't think there's a time until they start dating that, that Kurt's really out of his uniform. So interesting. But also, he probably... I'm probably stretching this totally, but um, he's probably using that Dalton uniform as a kind of shield. I mean, like, yeah. clothes are very important to him, and to be wearing, like, this, you know, I am a Dalton person, this is, you know, you don't... He, he's hiding himself in some respects. Yeah. It goes with the bird and the cage metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> so, now, Blaine, on the other hand, like, lives in that thing, and I'm like, God, how would you not be dying if he'd stroke all the time, but... Um, I have no idea. <laughs> but apparently Darren took it home at the end of it, but then again, what didn't Darren take home? I've seen so many pictures, I'm like, yeah, that was Blaine's shirt, and that was Blaine's shirt, and that was Blaine's shirt, and he took home Fagan's couch. I'm like, oh, did you just back up a trailer last day on set and just fill it with as much glee stuff as you could? Oh, who wouldn't? I would've. Free clothes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm surprised they had anything left for the, the clothing auction afterwards. <laughs> Everybody took home so much stuff. <laughs> So, and, okay, so yeah, we, we talked about, um, oh, my little note about the hype mention. Yeah, the, the forced perspective here where they make Kurt sit back a little bit so he's smaller. <laughs> so that Blaine doesn't look so tiny next to Chris, or Darren doesn't oh. look so tiny next to Chris. Oh, 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 oh. But anyway. Yeah. And then, like, Chris, or Kurt, that. It's like, you know, I've tried watching those movies, and he just has such a negative relationship with porn. Oh, yeah. The entire way through, because that, again, comes up again and tests it, and it's like, why are you watching these videos instead of being intimate with me? And that's... Well, then it goes back to what you were saying about Kurt needing, 
that kind of emotional connection. I mean, he's just, you know, uh, watching two random people go at it doesn't do anything for him. And so he needs some kind of connection. He needs that emotional, like, for him, I'm not, and this is not, I like to keep clear, not necessarily for you, but for the audience, that there are different ways of feeling these things. And it's not how everyone should, but how Kurt does. He, he, I bet you, though, he likes fan, fan fiction. Oh, yeah. I bet you could probably get into fan fiction that has sexy stuff in it. Right. Because then it's characters he knows, and he feels comfortable with, that he has an emotional attachment to. And it's like, you know. It's kind of interesting about those, like, for example, back in April, the, April, the first April Rhodes episode where he gets the muscle magazines. Then he has something to, like, fantasize about. He can he can put those guys in the muscle, with those muscles in their own positions. He's not forced to up close see, you know, penis and butt kind of thing. I'm sorry, yeah. I should put a warning on this one that it's crude, but... Um, it, yeah, so stuff like that where it's just in your face can be, like... You know. He wants to be in control of right. the erotica, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, the Muscle Magazine, yes, it's scantily clad men in sexy positions, but, like, you know, he's in charge of what he fantasizes about, whereas the porn is just like, it's in your face, here's what's going on, you can't change the narrative. Right, exactly. exactly. And you couldn't do that with fanfiction, but again, like I'm saying, he has more of an emotional connection, exactly. and it's not like he's seeing individuals he can kind of fantasize about right. it. They can go in his own, or they're you know, like we said, like there's characters that he cares about or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, and it's interesting that he even says um, in that deleted box scene for the season three Christmas episode, he talks about it being auction porn. So I think that he gets the relevance of it of how people can be, you know, what they mean when they say, "Wow, that something is like porn to me." But it's just literal actual porn in his face doesn't work for him. So, yeah. So, so yeah, this whole thing, I can only imagine what Blaine is thinking through all of this, because we don't really get a lot of her, his, his perspective during this. He, he is very, I love the, I think it's been gifted a thousand times of his reaction to Kurt talking about porn, where he's like, oh. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's, he doesn't say very much in this scene. Yeah, and then he offers, like, hey, I'll tell you what I know about sex, and again, I'm like, again, Blaine, nope. Like, I, I don't know if friends would actually do that. It's just like, okay, you know how he feels about you. This is extremely uncomfortable. Do you think that was going to go well? Right. I mean, I can imagine some of my good girlfriends in, in high school, we were college, actually more so college, would talk about it. But, you know, we weren't in love with each other or we didn't have feelings or it wasn't, you know. Yeah, and then it might have been like, it might have been like, I'm not presuming, you know what gender you're attracted to, but it might right. be like, hey, I'm a girl and I'm attracted to boys, and you're a girl and you're attracted to boys, right. here's the context, but where it's two gay boys, where there's an obvious known attraction, it's a bit yep. different, I guess? Yep. I wouldn't have talked about, you know, that kind of stuff with any of my actual crushes, because as we said yeah. in this previous scene, you know, how mortifying, you know, would it be for somebody that you have att- attractive feelings to, to say, hey, you know, you're, you're not acting sexy, let me teach you, and it's like, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know why Blaine thought that would go over well, and why he didn't expect to get just get kicked out of curse. I was like, no, I don't want to talk about this. I especially don't want to talk about this with you, who you know 
Kurt's not going to say it, but he might actively fantasize about. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need that extra bit of information. Mm-hmm. And, like, no, granted, after that, you know, who knows what happened in his fantasy life, but <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, that was never going to go over well. And, mm-hmm. like, there are times when, like, okay, I know Blaine isn't realizing oh, wow, I like Kurt, but I think some part of him is just like, eh, I could kind of be with Kurt. And it's mm. just kind of like, festering in the background and it causes him to do this stuff that no platonic friend would do. No, and then exactly. And then platonic, platonic way. <laughs> Absolutely. It well, and it's so funny because, like, uh, Blaine, he does, he, like, he, he does have this mentorship thing going still. He still, you know, that kind of ends with the end of adult and stuff, but, um, it's, he's still, uh, what am I saying? But at the same time, there's probably part of him that's like, ooh, talking with Kurt about sex, I like this idea. He's not exploring to himself why he likes this idea, but it seems like, you know, there's something more there than I just want to be a good mentor to this kid. Um, yeah. So, um, I do have to ask, um, what do you think Blaine's... Um, knowledge of sex is or his own experiences um, it are up to this point? Um, well, I'm thinking any information he's got, he blatantly said later in the episode, right. like, the information he's got is from the internet, so who knows? And we do know that Blaine enjoys himself a little bit of porn. Yes, so he's does. probably watched some porn, gotten an idea. And I'm thinking at this point, yeah, he's probably definitely kissed another dude, but any further than that, yeah. I honestly don't think Blaine has that much more experience right. than Kurt and does at this point. Exactly. Like, he's probably had a few kisses, maybe made out a little bit. Other than that, he got nothing. No. Though and I do think... kind of see that in the first time, because like, I'm waiting for someone special. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and, uh, like, sure, Blaine probably masturbates a little bit more than Kurt does at this point, because he's I more comfortable that, with yeah. it. Um, it's really kind of funny to talk about your fictional character's sex lives at the moment, but <laughs> look at me blushing a little bit. But no, I mean, it's, I think it's an interesting conversation and it's not something that we really should be like taboo about. I mean, it's kind of interesting no. to have conversations like I, this. I think so. Blaine is a lot more in touch with his sexuality and expressing yep. it, even if it's solo. Right. Whether it's being through fantasizing or through watching porn or whatever, because... Like, we don't know a lot of his parents, but it's, I think his parents are less involved in his life, so mm-hmm. there's, I guess, less monitoring of what he's looking up and what he's doing, and, you know, he feels a bit more free to explore that kind of stuff, whereas Kurt, I think, is kind of, like, half listening, make sure Finn's not going to burst into his room without right. knocking, or his father's not going to walk in, or at the whatever. Same, yeah, and at the same time, this goes to, again, what we were talking about with Kurt's character, like... He, last episode, he blackmails Finn for whatever's on his, um, and I'm sure Finn, like, accidentally managed himself two girls in a cup or something like that, and (laughs) don't watch that video, please don't. Um, No, I've never seen it, I have no plans to. Yeah, I've never seen it either, but I don't want to. Um, Or anything that's called Blue Waffle, I unfortunately did see that, please do not watch that. Um, But... um, so I, I don't think it's something that Kurt naturally wants to, to find out for himself, um, but Blaine does. I think Blaine was yeah. probably attracted to, knew, knew that he was attracted to men at a very young age and went on the internet and figured stuff out and was like, oh, okay. And whereas Kurt 
didn't. He just went in a different direction. Um, I'm sure he had like little crushes on Disney princes and everything, but it, it definitely uh, Prince Eric. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I can see that. Kurt has a type. He does have a type. Oh, Kurt. Um, but yeah. So. Yeah. No, I de- I definitely think uh, Blaine is a bit more comfortable exploring himself, and. You know, yeah. Then Kurt is. I'm not saying Kurt has never, but mm-hmm. it's probably more of a. This is bothering me, and there's nothing else I can do to make it go away. Right. Well, and I'm then, guessing, uh, like in the I'm, shower, he's I'm probably gonna, you know do whatever. Yeah, like I'm guessing in the shower, he's probably explored himself a little bit, but you know, not really. Like, I mean, he still is a teenage boy, but um. Yeah. Not to the full awareness that Blaine probably has up to this point. Yeah, so. let's just say that Blaine probably has gone through a lot more lube and used it in a lot more areas than Kurt. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fairly certain Blaine's fairly comfortable with all of his body, whereas if Kurt's going to do anything, it's going to be quick, fast, in the shower, and involve just, you know, yep. stroking one out, not going to like explore other areas or anything like that. Right, exactly. Exactly. And, like, I could be totally wrong, but we'll never know, <laughs> because there's no glee after dark. No, there is not. But I think this is the really, you know, I think it is it is an interesting conversation. I, a lot of people that know me love, know that I have this bizarre love of talking about curtain sex. and But I think it's fascinating. I think part of it is also me identifying as, identifying as a demisexual and seeing that kind of in Kurt a little bit. Um, so it's interesting to explore in that yeah. respect. So there we go. Um, so yeah, the, I, the next scene is the Bert and Blaine's t- sex talk scene. And something that I wanted to comment on before I did remember, yay, um, was that, you know, a year ago, Bert saying, is it about a guy? I'm not ready to have that conversation yet. Yeah. And here we have Blaine coming up and talking to him about sex and Bert doesn't just like get out and isn't like, get out of here, kid. I don't want to hear about this. I mean, no. there is a little bit of, you know, when he's ready, he'll talk about it. Kind of like when Bert's ready, he'll talk about it. But um, he, he's openly listening to Blaine here, where he, he may not have been a year ago. Yeah. And I've said it once before, and I will say it a thousand times again. Bert Hummel, best TV dad ever. Yeah. Ever. I just, I love Bert Hummel. I want to hug him. Yeah. Like, a lot. Just like, <laughs> thank you. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, we come in, and Blaine is there, it's like, my dad and I built a car together, and then this is where it starts, with the Blaine's dad as the big bad of every single fanfic. I know. And I... Every, and I want to know the story, because here it's just like, he's saying, you know, my my dad tried to bond with me, which is good, but he tried to bond with me and make me straight, which is bad, and then in Shooting Stars, like, they were all huddled together, him and both of his parents and that is emphasized that he's both of his parents mm-hmm. and then he's gone by the wedding it's not even mentioned and then there's like the extra behind the scenes thing where it was kind of revealed his dad left right and just like what is the deal with blaine and his father because it's never brought up right and i want to know the story exactly and there's like and a million fix about it just like i want to know what happened yeah, and where it's you know. one of those things. My two cents about it, and I know people feel way more passionately about Blaine's family than I do. Um, 
it can be interpreted just about any way you want it to. However, I like to think, I kind of like to go down the middle of the road with it, in that here is a guy who's probably uncomfortable with homosexuality, but loves his son still, and tries to do what he can, but at the end of the day, for whatever reason, you know, he takes off because he's probably not the greatest guy on the planet. Yeah. Um, So, I don't think he's a villain. I don't think he's... You know, any saint. I think he's just, you know, I don't know. We just don't have enough information to make any real yeah. conclusions. So, but because of this, this like one line of plain saying, "Do you think my dad wanted to pair with me?" Because of you know whatever he did mm-hmm. to make me straight, he gets painted as the bad right. guy. You know, when it's not being Sebastian. Yep, he's the bad guy. And I also like, think, that yeah, I get it. But and like, yes, it, that was not a great. Thing. And also, how hard was it for Blaine to approach Bert, another right. father? And I know, think that's, it, I mean, history to talk about this. Right. Because he probably has tried to talk to his own father about sex and sexuality right. and say, like, look, I want to talk to you. I have questions. So, you know. Oh, yeah. And just maybe getting a very negative reaction. So. Yep, exactly. And I was going to, you know, exactly say what you said in that. You know, maybe his dad does, you know, try and, and, you know, do things with him or, you know, the build of the car was, you know, bonding time. But, like, Blaine also was able to tell his dad that he was gay and, you know, he's not, like, kicked out of the house. That didn't happen. Um, I, you know, all I can really say is that Blaine's dad probably is very uncomfortable with his son being gay. But isn't the worst person on the planet because, you know, he didn't kick him out, you know. So who knows? And it's not technically canon that he left. So who knows? I just, yeah. Yeah. But then also, you know, I think Blaine also wants Kurt to take advantage of the good relationship with Kurt. Like, you have this advantage that I don't have. You have a father who'd be willing to talk with you and take advantage of this and you're not going to be, so I'm going to go straight to him and say, like, look, you need to talk to him because I am honestly worried about something happening to him, right. him as a friend, quote unquote. Because yeah, no, yeah. no I way. Am so not aware of this. <laughs> but you know, and that's the other kind of trend we see throughout this the series is that Blaine kind of looks up to Bert as another father figure. Um, mm-hmm. It's subtle. I don't think it's in a, like a lot of scenes, but I'm thinking at the end of season four when he goes to talk to him about marrying Kurt, um, you know, City of Angels and City in season five, just little things um, in the Christmas episode of season four that he does. You know, Bert is family to him as much as you know, Blaine is family to Bert as a son-in-law. Yeah, yeah especially when Kirk got like his meowed letters, like who's gonna tell Blaine? I got tell Blaine. Exactly. Yeah, they they definitely definitely care for one another, and I think this is kind of the beginning of that. And I it's think like, he he wants that father son relationship that Kurt has, mm-hmm. so it's like you know making sure I, that Kirk can take advantage of it. As uncomfortable as this is, I think Bert gives Blaine a little bit of credit here too, because here's this kid who is genuinely looking out for Kurt and, and that means something to Bert. Like Yeah, definitely. Especially after all the stuff with Finn and, you know, all of the stuff in general with Kurt to have somebody who's actually looking out for Kurt 
no matter how uncomfortable it is, probably does mean something to Bert. Yeah. Although I do have to wonder, did Bert ever tell Kurt, Blaine came to me to tell you to talk about sex? Probably not. I mean... And did Kurt ever find out, because I would dearly love to be a fly on the wall for that conversation, like, you did what now? (laughs) Oh, that'd be so funny. I think that would have been hilarious, hilarious conversation to be party party to. But, like, I don't know if Kurt ever found out that that's why his father suddenly said, hey, I need See, to talk to you about sex and, it, and not be, right. I want you to become educated in Right. I was going to say, it was set up so nicely and blame it on the alcohol that it, it makes a lot of sense from Bert to go from that scene. You don't even, it's kind of funny because I don't think you even need necessarily the blame con- Bert conversation, but it's nice that it's there. And it does yeah. give catalyst within the episode for Bert to have this conversation. So, so Yeah. Um, well, so I guess we can get into the conversation, the, the sex conversation with Bert and Kurt. And the thing that I always come back to is that my parents, not my dad, my mom, that would have been really weird. <laughs> my mom sat me down and had a conversation pretty much exactly like this, saying, you know what, you know, sex is something you're going to want to do. It feels good. However, you matter. She didn't say you matter, but you know. And that's always stuck with me just so to see this on television just blew my mind. Just Yeah. So. And I didn't get that and I would have truly really loved it. Like I I still got educated and everything like that, but you know, it was kind of like we're not gonna like here's the basics, you know mm-hmm. do it but be safe kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then when I did start having sex, it was are you being safe? Mm-hmm. Are you sure this is the right decision for you? Fine, we're going to leave it alone. And then it was just kind of like, but yeah, it's such a wonderful, wonderful speech. And I'm just like, can Bert come in, come in and talk to the Glee kids? Because yeah. I don't think Holly's really getting through to them. Right. Well, and can Emma. he like, have the scene shown in all the high schools? Because I think, yeah. you know. That, that, yeah. yeah. And I love and, that it's still awkward and it's still weird and Kurt doesn't really want to listen to it and Bert doesn't really want to talk about it, but um, it's such an honest and open and real conversation and that, you know, Bert is saying it, that it just, it's amazing to me. Yeah. And like, you know, Bert went and got those pamphlets and he probably read through them. Yep. So in case Kurt did have any questions, they could talk about it. And that would have been very uncomfortable for him. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine him trying to read about gay sex? <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Like, no parent wants to imagine their child have sex. Right. It's probably worse for Bert because, like, I, I don't I don't ever want to know. Yeah. But, like, Kurt did ask him to become more educated. And you know Kurt appreciates that. And you yeah. know, he probably knows. His father went out, got those pamphlets, read through them, made sure he knew everything. And sat down and had that talk. So as uncomfortable as it is, mm. it's definitely appreciated by Kurt. You can kind of see, kind of smiling towards the end of his like, you know, and him saying thank you. He really does yep. Yep. love his father for going so far outside his comfort zone to do this for him. Even if Bert like, kind of plays off like, when you're 30... <laughs> really good birthday present for uh, yourself. What did I say? I think in my thing I said it was like 12 episodes or something. It's not yeah. It's not a whole lot longer after this. Um, <laughs> but... Well, like in, in actual time, like we're going to say the episode, when the episode came out is relatively the time of year right. it is. 
Oh, so March months. to November is it's like six ish months or so. So seven and, months. Yep. But you know, what that's the choice they made and it's not like too fast or too slow, it's like that was when it was right for them they right. made the decision and like we didn't see it, but they probably went out and made sure they had supplies to do it safely because we can see them on the floor yep. of the bed. Mm-hmm next to the bed and the first yep. time so we know they did it safely and oh yeah know. i can only imagine like i know kurt was spur of the moment in that auditorium but let's talk about spur of the moment kurt it's still very well planned <laughs> and yeah. the girls it goes horribly awry <laughs> uh, and they could have been like they went and went straight to drugstore and got them or blaine already had them right they had gotten them together or blaine had already gotten them for them or whatever it's like they probably sat down and had that discussion of when we have sex, we should already have the stuff there. Exactly. And unwrapped and ready to go and hidden strategically under socks. So <laughs> nobody finds them and we should have some at my house and your house. And yeah. Like they probably had at length discussions of here's how it should go. Because yep. they're planners. And then, you know, or at, like this is what I'm comfortable with. And whatever happens in the moment happens kind of thing. Right. They made sure they had everything they were going to need. They were in a situation where they felt safe and comfortable and they wouldn't be walked in on and everything like that. So, yeah. And, so and you know, that at least both of them got something out of this episode, or Kurt did at least. Right. Blaine was already educated to, you know, to know to be safe. Well, and on top of that, too, I, you know, a lot of times, and it. And I, I'm not going to say that it just happens with, um, you know, heterosexual. I can see it very much happening with any kind of queer relationship, too, that one partner may press the other one to do, do stuff that they're not ready for and then to not be able to communicate uh, that with the other partner. Um, and somebody's feelings get hurt or whatnot. And uh, I think, like, when we get into the first time stuff, it was very well, like, yeah, I mean, stuff happened, and, and but Hurt and Blink did talk about this kind of stuff you know with that first scene they talked about not going south of the equator they talked about you know blames uh, you know open about talking about masturbation and whatnot so these conversations are happening and i i would like to think a lot of these come out of this particular scene here where you know bert who probably never talks about sex ever um you know even with you know now that he's married to carol or yeah, they're married at this point. Oh my gosh, I completely forgot that. <laughs> wow. Um, probably had to unfortunately do something just as uncomfortable with Finn at some point. Um, but, probably with less pamphlets. Yeah, probably with less pamphlets. But it's, you know, they are open and they are talking about it. And I think that ever since the kind of breakthrough Bert and Kurt had in season one, there's been a, a push to try and be open and honest with each other about the things in their lives. And whatnot. So. Yeah. Well, I'm betting the boys had a bit of a giggle over those pamphlets, like years down the road. Oh god. They're probably written very technically. Yeah. And then afterwards, they were like, "We can write pamphlets better than this." Oh, I can only imagine. Why is that not a fit? You guys, come on, get on your fic writing. You know, twenty years down the road, Kurt finds his old pamphlets. <laughs> Blaine and Kurt write the own, their own version of the Kama Sutra. <laughs> oh. Like, and just as an FYI, guys, I'm going to throw this out there because I work in a bookstore and we have a very large sexuality section and people just go straight for the Karma Sutra. 
there are better books. I mean, if you really want to get aerobic and, and acrobatic with the Karma Sutra, go for it. But there are other things to look at. Just because you know what Karma Sutra is doesn't mean it's the only thing you should pick. That's yeah. just my two cents. You can well, I'm it. sure the boys get, got into some of them because Kurt is very bendy. <laughs> I'm sure it resulted in injury oh, because boy. Kurt is also a giant klutz. <laughs> but it's exactly. extremely bendy. Exactly. And likes to throw his like up in the air, and oh, who knows how that could have ended. I'm think picturing Blaine getting kicked in the head at some point. Oh yeah, I, there needs to be more fic where um, it's fail sex because how often does that happen in real life? I mean, where you're just trying to you know get in the moment and something happens and it's just like bursting giggles or somebody gets a cramp or you know. And or it's they're having anal sex and some farts or <laughs> exactly. Um, I think as much as we we all love our smut and a lot, as much as we are really do, I think a lot most of us understand that it's it's fantastical. Um, it is nice to have every once in a while a realistic one thrown in the mix as well. Yeah. So and like plus fail sex is a learning opportunity. It, it is. didn't work this time. So maybe next time we do this instead. Like, we did not buy the right type of rope for this blame. <laughs> and no, we're not using my scarves. Uh, <laughs> I am always just like, shower sex, really? You know? No. <laughs> it maybe doesn't work very well. have a seat in there. I can see yeah. that working. At least uh, get something on the, the bottom of the, the, the tub so you don't slip around. Tub mat. Tub mat for the win. Yes. So. Anyway. Um, yeah. Pam and Bethany give you sex tips. Anyway. <laughs> Bethany and Pam are not qualified to give you sex tips. <laughs> we aren't. I mean, I'm not. I won't speak for you. No, definitely not. <laughs> um, we'll just, we'll, we'll speak from our own experiences, but, um, <laughs> that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. So, um, but yeah, getting back to this, uh, you know, it, it's kind of cool that, that, uh, Glee always touts itself as some controversial show. It's, it's always hitting the big topics, and sometimes they really miss off the mark. But this time, I think that this episode was really well done, and I think that they hit a lot of really cool points on here. Especially, I mean, setting it up a bit with Holly, but then with this, um, with the sex talk with Bert and Kurt. Yeah, like Holly did have some good moments here, like talking Puck and Lauren out of making a sex tape. Yeah, I was gonna mention. I mean, like we have to mention that at some point. <laughs> And I'm going to say it, uh, I'll try it for it. I know, I was thinking I it. I still love Puck and Lauren. Oh, okay. I don't care. Like, I, yes, Puck and Quinn are adorable and everything like that. I am so sad that I actually think it's not in third season, yeah. so that relationship can continue, because I thought they were adorable together. I, I think well, most people really like them together. I think I thought they were just, like, really, really good for each other, because she didn't put up with his shit. Yeah. And he and grew from kind of her. Kind of really good side of him. Mm-hmm. Like I think he was honestly at, at, at his best when he was with Lauren. Because then the next season he's with Shelby, which I didn't exactly hate, mm-hmm. but he was with her for all yeah. the wrong reasons. Yeah, that was so awful. <laughs> like, the only good thing about the Puck and Shelby relationship is that we got Puck with Beth, and Puck with Beth is always mm-hmm. always adorable, and I know there's a whole controversy surrounding Mark, so we won't get into it. But oh yeah, I was going to say, do we mention that, the Mark you know, thing? No. <laughs> but no, I, you know, I adorable and I, didn't have a negative context. Exactly, I do try to to not put significance on what like if you're looking at this as a piece of art, quote unquote. I mean, whatever we can debate on how much art Glee is, but you know, then you talk about the characters and you 
you separate that from the reality of yeah. whatever the actors or producers or whoever is doing behind the scenes. Um, I do think there are things that are made uncomfortable. The the idea that they were making a um, underage sex tape is like, oh, God. Um, and then the next season, Santana and Brittany, Brittany do make one and it gets released. Yeah. And, yeah, but Holly, like, talked about making sex tape. Good. Yeah. And uh, I like how she speaks you know to them on their level. For that. And mm-hmm. same thing with Brittany and Santana going to Holly and saying, like, look, we need to talk to somebody. And they're not going to go to Will. Right. So you know, Holly's and kinda like, I will say that, um, and I, I'm so sorry that I keep talking over you. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm sorry I keep talking over you. Um, I, I will say that it's unfortunate that there isn't, gosh, how do I put this? Not that they 100% needed one, but it's unfortunate that the women didn't have a female role model. I mean, like, Holly is one here, and Emma can be one sometimes. Beast can be... Well, I mean, but do you consider her... Um, or do you consider Beast a... I'm so confused on how to have discussions yeah, around Beast. Yeah, the, the Beast is touchy because... Right. Up until a certain point, Beast was identifying as a female right. who... You know, and was a female role model, but, but afterwards yeah. revealed they had always felt like they were in a male body, right. and so it's just like, I don't want to misgender anybody, so exactly. I'm not going to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Right. We will say that Beast, no matter if they are Shannon or Sheldon, is a role model to the people in the Glee Club. Right. Um, particularly, I think, again, with Puck. Yeah. I love their relationship. but And then the whole thing, like the girls look up to Shannon during the whole domestic abuse episode which you can yeah we're also not going to touch with 10 foot pole but yes it is a role model of sorts but there really isn't any other uh, female adults that these girls go to and and especially not sue yeah it's not like there's no well i guess carol i will put carol up yeah i think but she's just not in it and she doesn't have the relationship with the girls necessarily that she does with finn or even cart or the Glee Club as a whole, or you know, proxy to you know the Cart and Finn stories. Uh, these the girls just don't have the same kind of, uh, and and I don't know if that is a result because it's all men writing these episodes. I mean, um, hashtag Glee hates girls. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think they did. I think they just were out of their element. I don't know yeah. if they necessarily knew what to do with some of the stuff. So I think yeah, like they, they tried again with bringing Shelby in in season three, mm-hmm. but there was only so much she could do, right? Unfortunately, and yeah, yeah. so it's it's still too early to talk about this. That is season yeah. three. <laughs> it's okay, but that's you know I, I am glad that, that that Brittany and Santana did have Holly for this episode, so yeah. that you know these are big subjects. I mean, talking about not everybody you know, wakes one day and it's like, oh, hey, gay, okay, I get that, let's go. Some people are. Some people, it, it's very confusing for. Some people never really know. It's sexuality and sex and all of this stuff in between. It's, it's a, They're very hard subjects and something that, unfortunately, society has made so taboo that it's hard for kids to have these conversations when they're actually the ones really going through it. Yeah. So, and in the end, it's still kind of like one step forward, two steps back for mm-hmm. them, and it's kind of, you have to feel bad. Yeah. It's like, you know, Santana did put herself out on the line, but Brittany's like, I'm still with Artie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whatever your opinion of Artie, 
you know. Yep. In your opinion of Britannia, Brittany's going to be like, no, I'm with this person. I'm not going to leave them, even though you, we do care about each other, because I also care about this person. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to treat them that way. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she was trying to be mean about it or anything. It's just like, this is how I feel. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to deal with that. And she's like trying to be so comforting. And Santana's like, nope, yeah. screw this. And then goes off and becomes a beard for Karofsky. Yeah. That whole That's mess. <laughs> Which, unfortunately, I get to touch upon because it does relate to Kurt's story. But yeah. yeah. Okay. But, no, here, I, it's, yeah. Um, I, I, going off a little bit into Ford, uh, uh, what do you think of this episode in context of the next episode that they, that they get together. Um, I just think it's interesting. I wonder if this is the final straw that broke the camel's back and Kurt just being like, you know what? Fine. I'm just going to be me. You know, you have to live with that kind of thing because yeah, for so long, Kurt has blamed on this pedestal and through silly love songs and through blame it on the alcohol. And I think, this episode, it's finally like, okay, you know what? You're no longer this, like, knight in shining armor. You are Blaine. You are a real person. And I'm just going to treat you like I treat everybody else, which is... Yeah, actually, it's kind of like, I've tried being everybody else to get you to like me. Yep. I'm just going to be me. And mm-hmm. it turns out, that's who Blaine likes. Yep. He doesn't need you to be, well, not the damsel, but the damsel in distress. Right. He doesn't need you to be this sexy Bambi sort of thing. <laughs> Oh, Kurt like, is sexy Bambi. Oh my god. Anyway, go ahead. He kind of is. He kind of is. <laughs> but, like, he doesn't need you to be on the No, he yeah. just needs you to be Kurt. Yeah. Because everybody else loves you as Kurt. You don't need to be anything else. And if you treat him just like... Every, if you don't treat him like the shining prince star mm-hmm. kind of thing... Yeah. Which I think Blaine is... Far, far, far too used to at this point. Right, exactly. It like if you find someone who's going to call him out on his crap, like oh, oh, okay, that does something for me. Like I, I, you know, and you know, at this point, you might be like, I'm so sick of everybody treating everything I do like it's gold. Right. Like, even when they're having a work with me, it's just like I'm so sick of arguing, and they're like, oh, let's let Blaine decide. And Blaine's like, no. Yep. Not what I mean. He's like, sick of it. I think he appreciates that honesty. Yep. And Kurt actually speaking up and saying, like, look, things need to change. Yep. And I think, you know, because I think a lot of people get tripped up on how kind of over the all over the place Blade is throughout yep. these, uh, this, this middle section of season two. And I'm like, well, Blade's kind of exploring. And I think that, you know, he's buried his feelings for Kurt under. I do think that he does have them. It's not just yep. like the strange out of nowhere epiphany during Blackbird. Um, but he is, you know, I might be the birds. I don't know, but no, I'm kidding. Um, it's just mainly like, oh, this feeling that I've been feeling for Kurt is not friendship or admiration. Right. It is love or maybe not love at that point, but it is romantic. It's kind romantic, of like, yeah. it's not realizing he has feelings for Kurt. It's realizing the context of those feelings. Exactly. Exactly. Like, oh, this this feeling is not necessarily like, oh my god, I'm in love with Kurt. Where is this from? It's, oh, that's what these feelings are. Like, yeah. yeah oh, so. that's what this feels like. Yes. And this is how I felt 
all along. Right. No wonder this relationship has been so confusing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I, I kind of, it's interesting that there are parallels between Britannia and Clayne a lot of the way through it. Um, a lot of times something happens with Britannia and then it happens to Clayne or something, you know. And um, before they go really heavy into the Finchel Clayne, whatever. Um, but, you know, Britannia's like trying to sort out how they feel for each other and, and how, like, they kind of are doing all the physical stuff. But not talking about all these emotions, and I think Clayne is kind of the opposite, where they kind of have all these emotions there, but they haven't gotten to this place where it's like, oh, I can physically, you know, pass these lines and, and be more intimate with you in, yeah, in that way. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of what I said right at the beginning, it's like, this yep. whole episode is about the two types of intimacy, and how in Glee world, you need both to have a healthy relationship, mm-hmm. and... Yeah. Which or is, to have a healthy romantic relationship, right. I guess. Because Kurt and Blaine, at this point, have an extremely... Well, maybe not an extremely healthy relationship, but they have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. It's just not what Kurt wants it to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Blaine just kind of has to get his head out of his ass for it mm-hmm. to progress into exactly. more physical intimacy than what they have. Like, they are actually very physically intimate, more so than Kurt is with any of his friends which we already talked about with right. hand-holding and letting Blaine hug him and touch him, like, something he's just like, no, mm-hmm. don't do that with a lot of his other friends. Right. Exactly. So, yep. Um, it's and just, he wants that intimacy, the physical intimacy, to be in a romantic context. Right. It's all about the context. And and I like that how your thought kind of ties in with Bert's you, your, you Matter speech, and that the heart of what Bert is saying is that you know, you can enjoy sex, you don't, you know, or go at your own pace, but, you know, these things do matter, and you matter, and be conscious of what you're doing when you have sex. It's not saying, you know, you can't have sex ever, it's not saying have all the sex in the world, but be conscious of what you're doing more than anything, so. And we, like, some of Bert's speech is like, oh, Guys are all about physical and girls are all about the emotion, which this even this episode proves is not true. Right, exactly. So that's a bit of stereotype, but like I get the point he was trying to make. Yep. And cause somebody will bring it up if we don't. Like, yes, this is a very generic thing he's talking about, and this is his context because he is a straight male who's gone through this, and this is how he kind of relates to it. Right. But you get the point of what he's talking about that maybe in some male-male relationships is emphasis on the physical and a lot of the time, yes, males do have a higher sex drive mm-hmm. and but, you know, it has to mean something to you, like right. I, I don't know like some people might be like, oh, well, he's kind of crying down casual sex or like, no, it just should no. mean something don't exactly. turn around like, like you don't matter you can have all the casual sex you want, just remember that you matter. Don't be putting up with people treating like crap. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think that, uh, yeah, that is exactly what he's saying. And, and it's just that it's, um, again, going in with that tied into the be aware of what you're doing when you have sex, which is what the whole episode is trying to uh, talk about as well. It's that you can have these casual relationships, but... You know, they're, just be aware that that is what you enjoy and that's what you want to do. And if you want to have emotionally emotional depth to it, you know, figure that out. If you don't, that's okay too. But be aware, and that's like, it's yeah. 
The one thing that I really appreciate about this episode, because Glee gets so preachy, especially later on in the series, whatever they're doing. And this one isn't subtle, but it is subtler than a lot of the other episodes they do. I think this was much better written than other points they may try and make later on in the series. Um, And and really, uh, it works together as um, a a funny episode of these people's lives that we're continuing in this series of events and not just standing out and stopping because it's the sex lesson. Yeah. And like Bert even puts it like, be aware that yes, sex affects your body and like Quinn can attest that, but it also affects your emotions because like, when Finn and Santana left together, yep. he felt terrible afterwards. And if he had gotten this talk before that, yep. that might not have happened. Exactly. Thus avoiding all the Finn, Rachel, Santana drama oh, from later God. on. Which is really kind of going on right now because I think Finchel's broken up at this point. Oh, yeah. and this is, we should probably uh, just quickly mention this, that this, it's implied, Finn is only in the scene for like, or in this episode for a quick second, and that's with his scene with Quinn, where it kind of implies that they had sex together. Yeah, I kind of got that feeling. Like, if they aren't yet having sex, once it kind of cuts away, they yeah. probably did. Yeah. Because Quinn was like, my first time should have been with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to bang. Well, and I'm guessing Finn also kind of feels that same way in a... Um, I wish I wanted a redo of my first time, so I don't like they both kind of like want a redo. So yeah, even though and it's weird that that never gets brought up again. I know, isn't that, that weird? Well, even when the first time Rachel was around, Rachel's like, "I know you slept with Santana, but I didn't sleep with Jesse," and it's never mentioned that Finn probably had sex with Quinn as well. Yep. And given the whole Rachel Quinn rivalry friendship thing. You would think that would matter more than the one-off with Santana because, you know, Finn will rightly admit it didn't mean anything to him and he felt like he wasted his first time with her. Right. So, like, that would be the thing if I were Rachel. I'd be worried about is Quinn, this woman who, you know, has been in and out of this their their lives, mm. like, in a relationship with this man she loves kind of thing. Yeah. I think that would matter more, but it doesn't even get brought up at all, so yeah. Um, well, well, since we're winding down, were there was there anything on your notes that we skipped over that you wanted to go back to? Um, uh, I loved Santana's outfit during Line Flight, and I thought that was like a gorgeous, gorgeous duet between yeah her and Brittany. Like I'm kind of yeah, I know Holly's in there, but she's kind of more backing vocals than anything. I kind of really like um, this is really weirdly shallow, and um, but. I think both girls are really pretty when they're not in their... Not that they're ugly in their Cheerios uniforms, I'm not saying that, but I love the way the costuming... They, they always put them in really nice clothes, and they always look really good when they're not in their Cheerios well, uniforms. I also noticed that Santana's wearing jeans, and throughout this series, it's very, very extremely rare for the girls to wear jeans, and it's very, very rare for the girls to wear pants, aside from Mercedes. Mercedes is like the only female character who usually is wearing pants, because Rachel's almost always in a skirt, Quinn's almost always in a dress. Tina's almost always in a dress. Santana and Brittany are usually in their Cheerios uniform, which is skirts. But when they're yeah. not, they're usually in dresses or skirts or leggings. I think so Brittany is a very wears... rare situation where the girls are wearing pants. And let them know, not just any pants, but jeans. Something I live in. I know. I never noticed I that. Wow. 
like all these girls wear jeans, wear dresses and skirts and everything like that. And when Lauren did her solo and she was pitching everyone in their underwear, all the girls were in like slips. And oh, like, do, yeah. do none of these girls own just a pair of bras and panties? Like, why are they all wearing slips? Yeah. Right, yeah. But, but it's because they're all wearing dresses. But even Mercedes was there in a slip. I'm like, you're wearing pants. Yep. Nine times out of ten, Mercedes wears pants. She doesn't usually, well, like, when she wears not pants, it's like a very nice dress. Mm. Still, she usually is something comfortable. Like, I, I wouldn't be able to go around with the dress all the time because it doesn't have pockets. <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of funny. Like I've never that, really yeah, thought about uh, that, but yeah. Other than that, Holly giving Emma and Carl therapy, and I use that Carl, word very, yeah. very lightly. Oh yeah, because after the afternoon delay, we should take it. after afternoon delay, which was just too funny for words, and oh, I don't man. think from the look on John Samos's face that Carl was supposed to have known what the lesson was about, just that he was supposed to get up and right sing about sing this afternoon delight and play the drums a little. Cause he just looks at it. <laughs> And then he goes to talk to Holly about getting, like, help. But he still has the microphone on. I'm like, are you aware the whole auditorium could probably hear you? And oh, then the whole therapy thing. She's like, yeah, duh, she still loves Will. Oh, yeah. And I think, I don't know, I think that's the last we see of John Samos. I think it is, too. I think she gets a divorce after that, so. And, um. then, Emma, and then Holly just immediately moves into Will. She's like, oh, another girl wants you now. I'm going to move into that, even though I know it's a bad idea. Uh, oh, is this also, can we talk about, um, is this what the one where Holly and Will tango to the prince? Yeah, I turned the volume down on that because Matt Morrison, I, I, he's not a terrible singer, but his falsetto hurts. Just that, it's just an awkward song. And, and to make it a tango, it just doesn't work. I'm sorry, guys, it doesn't work. No. And then Will ends the episode where he's like, I'm an excellent educator. I'm like, no, no, oh, Will, you boy. are not. Because you were there. Yeah, you, you've proven in this episode that you are not. Because everybody who got in the actual education got from Holly. Mm. Or Bert. Yep. But, and yeah, then, it, was, it was just hilarious between the afternoon delight with the terrible, terrible outfits and the pictures of pie in the background. Like, that's not a metaphor for anything. Oh my god. <laughs> it's just so, you know, glee anvil sides. But I'm just like, did they, seriously, like, okay, is there not a song for celibacy? Because I don't know, I've, I've never looked. I don't, yeah. But it, why did, out of every song, did Emma choose this one? I, I'm sure there has to be some sort of song about... Waiting till marriage. There has to be a, probably a Christian song or a country song or something. There has to be a better choice than Afternoon Delight. But the writers are like, no, it's too hilarious. We have to use Afternoon Delight. Probably. That's the way they work a lot of the time. When you're like, really? Why? Okay, because you like the way this fit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's basically just there for giggles. No. I mean, we didn't really talk about Animal and the, and the song itself. Um, about, uh, you know, animalistic, um, because that, that whole, uh, song is about animalistic tendencies, uh, which is another reason why it's funny. Um, cause the boys are there and ties yep. and blazers doing a sidestep in yep. a phone party. Yep. And, and trying to talk about these animalistic, uh, urges and yeah, like, come on guys, put in a pelvic thrust or a hip swivel or even a shoulder shimmy from Kurt. Yeah. Like, well, no, he does. I didn't mention that. He, he does hit all of the, um, Santana's top hits of his dance moves. 
All that's missing is a piano um, to drape himself over. Uh, but it's, but yeah, like, I, I couldn't actually watch it. I was just like, I'm typing my notes while the song is going, and I'm not watching because I can't bear to watch yeah. Kurt dance during this thing. There's like, the, I love, love, love. I think it's a gorgeous song. Yeah. And, like, I think it, it, I will, anytime I play it, I'm there just dance and sing along. But I can't watch it because it's just like, nope. Nope, I, I suffer. <laughs> I suffer. I, you know, it's funny. I've gotten to the point where so many of these really awkward and embarrassing scenes. Um, I used to not be able to. I could not watch um, when I get you alone. Oh um, no, I, I still couldn't can't watch that one. Uh, but I've seen it so many times now. I've like forced myself to watch it that I'm like desensitized to it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this is no, like yeah, it's they're like you know all about the animal. Sticks from five pounds. Like they're they look so clean cut. I know. Like they yeah. can't track from the uniforms because like guys, you're in white shirts with foam. <laughs> Lose the blazers and the ties, maybe undo a couple of buttons and stop doing the stupid sidestep if you want it to be sexy. Singing a song about sex does not make it sexy. Exactly. Just like in funk, singing a song with the word funk in it does not make it a funk song. No. <laughs> It, like they they had so much potential, but they had to do the whole you know focus on Kurt being a little baby penguin, blah 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 blah. Yeah. But even like the warblers themselves, like it's yeah. just it's innocent they fun. They were cute. This song all about you know they weren't sexy. <laughs> no, but I mean I can see the girls like they were boy band sexy. Yeah, the girls are like screaming like why? Like yes, they're very cute and the song is good, but you know none like. Were Not that we would have done it, but there's no reason to be throwing your bras at them. <laughs> no. Oh, man. I love that. You know what cracks me up, though, about those two girls? They both knowingly are, are handing their phone numbers. Like, they know the other one wrote their phone number. So, like, was Blaine getting a threesome out of that? What is going on, you know? I have no idea. It's mainly, it's probably like, you know, we'll give them both our numbers and he calls one of us, he calls one of us, but, you know, yeah. kind of. I, I, I don't I don't even know. But Blaine's just like, yeah, no, not your team. And then, like, later, actually, when he goes to the garage with Bert, Bert's like, so you gay or straight or what? So you know Bert heard about the whole Blaine is dating Rachel now. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, and I mean, like, coming out of, because he does mention it to Bert, and Kurt does mention it to Bert about the Rachel thing in the last episode, but I think it was a matter of the writer saying, okay, we know we teased this bisexuality thing or even possibly straight thing in the episode. Nope, Blaine is gay, Blaine is gay, Blaine is gay. <laughs> yeah, and they go on to enforce that a lot throughout the series to the point where Blaine sees pe- straight people kissing, he's like, ew, gross. I'm like, yeah. Mm. Is that just a reaction of how negatively people reacted to that yep. Blaine is bi storyline, or what, what, what are you doing, writers? Though, to be fair to Blaine, if I had to watch... Sam and Tina make out. Yeah, no, I would even probably... I found that disgusting. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> no, I'm done. I'm done. But well, yeah. All right. Well, on that note, um, we, we talked for two hours. We probably not talking about the episode a lot. But, yeah, there wasn't. I mean, uh, uh, not that there wasn't a lot to talk about. There was, but I, I love. Um, there, there. I like connecting it with the rest of the series, and I like yeah. that now that we're post canon, we can draw in all of these things from all of these different. Uh, episodes from before and from after and not be contained because I think it's limiting just to talk about this episode in a bubble. Yeah. 
So. Especially with how little curtain lane there is, but what's exactly. there is really, really good. And really, and we get yep. some actual, like, plus we get some Bert and Kurt relationship mm-hmm. and some Blaine and Bert bonding. And and I, I don't think this is completely out of nowhere to set up the next episode. Yeah. So. It, it's definitely like Lane, the, the seeds. Blaine is is not as oblivious as we would like to think. He just doesn't realize. Oh, I like like Kurt. Yep. Because <laughs> oh. I just don't think he's concerned about Kurt knowing how sex works. Is purely, oh, he's my best friend. I'm going to make sure he learns all this stuff. Oh my god. No, sweetie, that's that's not why you're doing it. No. And uh, yeah, so. All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps up the episode. Um, thank you for, for joining me with it. I think I'm glad we got to dig in and get dirty on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for my bad pun. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so tempted to add in like a magic wow wow, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> and that's how we end the episode. <laughs> will be suspicious my brother will be there at the waves upon the tropical shore Disabilities, let you out past will lead or cease. Rejoice and love yourself today, cause baby, you were born this no. way. So raise your glass if you are wrong in all the right ways. All your life, you were only waiting for this moment to arrive. This could be the end of everything. Someone only go somewhere only.